Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. My name is Aaron Laxon. Alongside with Robert Brining, beaming across the United States and around the world. Your 90-minute dose of hope brought to you each and every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You may follow along in the conversation on social media, Facebook and Twitter, as I am. And at bazim.org, that's pi.im.org, we encourage you to join in the conversation at 347-215-9442, that's 347-215-9442, 90 minutes, your dose of hope starts now. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. My fabulous co-host, Aaron Laxton, is joining me this evening. How are you feeling, Aaron? You know, I am not feeling the best. I, I've seen better days. I, you're getting ready to trade me in for a new co-host, I think. Oh, no, no. Too soon for that. Yeah, I, um, I, I made the decision this week to, well, I had been considering it for a while, but to for the last two and a half years, I have been on uh, a tripla, which has worked great um, until you know the last six or eight months. I've started developing more neurological side effects, um, sleep interruption, things like that. And so, this past week, I uh, had a doctor's appointment and made the switch over to Strybuild. And so, unfortunately, right now I'm just dealing with. Uh, uh, getting all the triple out of my system and then the side effects of getting acquainted to a new uh, cocktail. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's a, a, a thing that a lot of people, you know, who are living with HIV listening now or listening to the archives uh, deal with uh, starting medications and then going through the process of maybe that medication not working out for them and having to switch to another one due to side effects. Um, what, what, what made you choose this medication over any of the other ones that were out there? Well, you know, that's a good question. We actually had the conversation um, when I met with my doctor because I was on a study, a drug study, and so I had to break study to go on to a different medication. And so, you know, I asked him, you know, did he think that we should go on something like, you know, Complera or or one of the other uh, regimens? And he basically said, you know, look, I have many different regimens I can put you on. Um, it's up to you what, which one you want. And so from doing all my research and everything, uh, I just said, hey, I, I think Stridal will be, will be the best choice. Um, and I, I wanted to stick with a single-dose regimen versus going to something where I had to take multiple pills multiple times a day. Right, because you were on a triple before, right? Yeah, you know, I say I'm pretty... This new generation of HIV patients, we're kind of spoiled. You know, we get to take one pill a day, and uh, I say that jokingly. Um, you know, but I'm not no, sure but I, I can you know, handle it. Aaron, yeah. I think uh, what you said may actually a little, ring a little, because, um, you know, the, the, the older generation, those who lived through, you know, the early stages of AIDS and, 
and all that and had to go on AZT may actually agree with what you just said, actually. That we do have yeah. it, you know, easier than, you know, they have. I think we do. And, and you know, it was actually this morning you and I were texting back and forth and, uh, you know, fatigue really hit me today. I, I've had, you know, I have the rash right now and fatigue and nausea and, and it all comes in waves. But I remember thinking this morning, and I was really, really fatigued, like anybody who's experienced fatigue related to HIV or uh, medication understands, you know, it's there's not enough sleep that will help you feel better, like you're perpetually tired. But I remember thinking, this is going to come to an end. You know, I always try to put it in context of those long-term survivors that, you know, in, in, in the original days, <laughs> 25 years ago, there was no getting better. And so I, at least I have a light at the end of the tunnel. No, that's true. I guess I shouldn't say that we don't have it um, easier. We have better options. We, you know, the medication is so much better nowadays that we, you know, we, we, we have options of choosing different kind of medications where, you know, like you said before, it was kind of what was available. Right. And I think it, it's only natural, you know, that we kind of, lose touch and and the 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 way we look at it changes and and so at that time in the early days um you know AZT didn't come on the market until you know late 90s that was the drug i mean that was the the savior then and of course obviously we know different now um and so then as new drugs come along then then that's what we kind of latch on to Right now, Stridel's the latest and greatest. Um, there's a couple other drugs that are coming down the pike that, you know, Alucrevir and other um, medications. But for me, knowing my lifestyle and, you know, how I am, I'm just used to a single pill regimen. It has been a transition because I used to take my Atripla at around 10.30 at night. The change with Stridel is you have to take it with food. So now I have to take. I, I've decided that I'll take it about 6:30, um, and uh, that has been a bit of a change. You know, I've been in the same pattern for two and a half years, and now I've changed it. So I think that's something else that people um, we don't often talk about those changes when we do switch from medication to switch, you know, medication or the changes of our, you know, what we're used to. Did you get any of those dreams from the Atripla? Oh. Every night for two and a half years. Yeah, I thought I, I remember you saying that you did actually. That's why I asked you. I never remember you had some crazy ones that you were telling us at the conference. <laughs> yeah, the worst one that I ever had was actually just uh, when I was in D.C. for my last trip because all I had been dealing with was HIV and talking to long-term survivors. That night I actually dreamed that I uh, had progressed to an AIDS diagnosis in stage AIDS. Um, where I had to go on hospice. Um, one of my friends who works with me at the ACTG actually, you know, bought a hospital bed, put it in her in her house. All of this was real in my in my dream, and I woke up and I was so disturbed about it. I wrote on it on Facebook. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the the triple dreams are very real. It, it's, so you don't miss any of that, do you? You know, well, you know. I, I do and I don't. I mean, I'm so used to dreaming. The first night that I was off it, I did dream. The second night, uh, I didn't dream at all, and it was so nice. Waking up the next morning was like, oh, my God, I didn't have a single dream. That was great. 
So I'll still have them with Strybuild. There, people do report that they have dreams, so they don't go away completely. Um, but it's certainly nothing like uh, a triple because that's the the sativa component is what causes those dreams. I know it's it's interesting because I never really thought about you know this is the first time the medicine that I'm on is Trivada and Accenturis, and it's actually the only medication I've been on besides the triplo, which I was on for like two weeks, and then I broke out in a rash and I had to change because I was allergic. Um, but since I've been on this regimen, I haven't really thought about what would happen if I need to change meds or what medication would I be on. And to be honest with you, I have no idea what I would even look at because I've been really not up to date or really staying in, in sync with all the new medication because it seems like every few months there's a new one that's coming out. And, it, and it's hard to stay on top of. So I can't even imagine somebody who's newly diagnosed who has to deal with that and, and, and look at all the things that are coming out and, and how to make that decision now. I mean, Well, this was a very, you know, it was a decision that I didn't come to quickly. I mean, uh, my, me and my doctor, which I always tell everybody, you know, your, your, your healthcare team is, should be your best friends and your pharmacist. So this had been a, a conversation that had been going on for about six to eight months. And so, you know, finally I had to weigh everything out and I made that decision because unless you have side effects from your medication, you should stay on medication, whatever your, your medication is, you should stay on it until you experience failure, um, which means that, you know, you see a, re, a viral rebound for three consecutive months. That's the clinical definition of a, of a uh, failure. Um, and so for me, it wasn't because I experienced a failure, but rather I just, the side effects got too bothersome for me. So luckily we do have more drug options um, that are on market that people can switch to, give, you know, unless they have like a mutation or drug variation, something like that. I'm just, I'm just thinking like I couldn't even imagine going through that right now and, and how I have to process all the new medication because there's so many I started, you know, only, what, I don't even know, two, three years ago. Yeah, I think right now there is um, 35 different medications or combinations thereof. Um, and uh, as far as the single-dose regimen, uh, I think you have three or four, maybe five options um, that people can go on. And, and so we're very fortunate. I mean, things have changed a lot for the better. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. That is true. Um, what was I going to say to you? Well, you probably saying? wanted to know if we had news. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any news for us tonight? And we do not have news. However, I wanted to, to talk about something. I know you have some stuff that you want to talk about. Um, just, I happened to see a Facebook conversation that that went on um, over the past couple of days that really raised an interesting question. I wanted to get your, your take on it and kind of how you would handle it. So okay. a person uh, posted a status that said that if they found out that a person is HIV positive and they're not disclosing their status, they would make sure that that person gets outed, that their HIV status gets revealed. And, you know, you know, I, I responded with, you know, I don't think it's anyone's right to disclose. Obviously, you know, you want to protect people. But in the work that we do uh, as activists, as, as advocates, we have to operate with a level of trust. Um, 
But I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I mean, what, if you were put in that same situation, what do you think you would do if you knew one of your friends wasn't disclosing their HIV status and they were having regular hookups or they were hooking up with one of your friends? What would you do? I don't know. That's a tough situation. I actually, I seen, I saw that post as well, and um, uh, I, I, I was a bit confused by what exactly it meant, and I think it may have been that the person posted it in the heat of the moment and kind of right. was maybe mad at some sort of situation. But um, if I had a friend who was doing, like, normal hookups and not disclosing their status, it, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like, honestly, I would, I, if it was, honestly, if it was one of my friends, I, I, I probably would talk to my friend and encourage them to, enclose their status, to disclose their status, but I would not let their status be known and go and tell people. Like, if they're hooking up on uh, Grindr or on some sort of app or something like that, then, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's my place to do that. Now, if they are now dating somebody who maybe I know and they're not disclosing their status, then maybe, yeah, then I would let that person know. But I, you know what I mean? Like, they're just, yeah. I don't know. It's a really, it's a tough situation. I mean, I just know from, from, from my standpoint, um, and I think, you know, when we were going back and forth on this conversation, because I think very highly of the person that, that and I, I agree with you, I think it was a very heated situation. I think this person was having a very visceral response to something that this person had encountered. Um, I just realized that the work that we do, that we can't sit in judgment. You know, we, we get people, whether it's on the radio show or online or in chats or, or whatever, that disclose a lot of information to us, and they do so because they trust us. They trust that, that it's not going to go any further. And I also recognize that that trust can be broken really quickly, and then all of the work to gain people's trust has gone out the door. Um, so I don't know. I, I just I wanted to bring that up and see, kind of get your thoughts on it, and, and uh, it's definitely a hot-button uh, topic. Yeah, yeah, no, it really got me thinking, like, if one of my friends, you know, I have a lot of friends here, you know, that are positive, and if they, I mean, I, I don't think I would really say anything because I'm not perfect either. I mean, there's times when, you know, maybe I don't disclose my status, or I didn't do, you know, when I was, you know, single and running the scene. You know what I mean? Right. So, it's all, you know, I don't know. And those like, were things that were brought up, too, you know, because we have to take in, you know, because someone else said that, well, you know, if someone was killing your friends, and I said, hey, you know, hold on, that's not that's not accurate because we know that new science is out. No one, it's not a death sentence. So we really saw the the level of stigma and and just simple language, um, and uh, you know, we don't know is that person on medication? Are they virally suppressed? Uh, you know, there's so many things we don't know. Um, and I can't say, you know, I, I don't know. It's a tough situation. I think it's one for all of us to kind of ponder. And, and uh, you know, I, I would – it's tough. It's tough to say the least. Yes. So what about you? What's going on in your side of the world? What's uh, – I know you had some stuff that you wanted to mention or, or talk about. Yeah, before. yeah. No, um, uh, I found out early this morning that uh, one of our friends here at the show, he – been on the show. He shared his story here. Um, activist Brian Morgan uh, passed away, 
And I want to take a, you know, uh, later in the show, take a few minutes to remember him by playing a clip of his interview when he was on the show. He was actually on the show in 2009. So it's like back within the first stages of the show, first few years. And, you know, he was just a funny, kind-hearted, real Southern belle is how I would put it. Uh, He was one of the first people that um, I met when I became an activist, I guess when I decided to kind of put myself out there. I actually friended him on, and <laughs> that's how long ago it's been, like, yeah, MySpace, and I saw Aaron You're showing your age, girl. Joined. I just showed that you joined MySpace, didn't I? See that on Facebook somewhere? Well, I already had it, but I went back and kind of reactivated my account and kind of pressured it. It's completely changed, completely. Yeah, I'm going to have to go look at it, but um, that's actually where I first met him. Um, you know, back then, there weren't activists. This is probably like 2005, 2006. I didn't really see a lot of people out there on social media. The only people I ran across was um, Marvin Brown, uh, Bob Bowers, and now uh, Brian Morgan. So he was one of the first three people that, you know, reached out to me and, and connected with me on an activist level and, and talked about, you know, their experience. And uh, he was actually on the Jenny Jones show before uh, talking about living with HIV and encouraging young teens to um, use protection. So, we're going to take a moment later on uh, in the show to reflect on him being on the show and his life and all the work that he did. And we'll actually take opportunities for people to call into the show if they want to uh, talk about Brian. Uh, again, that'll be after uh, the 10 o'clock hour. So I see that our guest is on um, the show. Oh, I'm sorry, not on the show. <laughs> our guest for tonight's show is actually on the line. So tonight we're going to speak with the founder of Rise Above HIV, Jeremy Scott Hobbs. So please help us welcome this amazing man who actually we met at the Positive Living Conference this year. And uh, he was uh, definitely a, a man we won't forget. Uh, Jeremy Hobbs, welcome to the show. All right, thank you so much for having me on tonight. Love it. Okay, How are you doing here? tonight? I'm sorry? I said, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. I've had a very busy week, you know, after the holiday and everything else. Everything got started late, and this entire week has just been one thing right after another, you know, announcing our new cab. Uh, and, um, so we've got all the people around our community and people uh, around the world uh, wanting to help out with this cab right now that's going to help build us in, throughout the next five years. We've already completed five great years here in Columbus uh, where it all started. And uh, we've been reaching out and working with so many people out there and, and the journey meeting each of you. I mean, when I got to meet both of you at Puzzle, and that, that was a blessing to me in my life. And, you know, I look up to both of you. I really do. I mean, what you do every day is it's just amazing. It really is. Uh, getting to meet Timothy Ray Brown, uh, that, you know, I, I could die a happy man, you know, getting to meet the man that was cured of HIV. Uh, what a blessing that was. Uh, just so many people, and especially Dab. Uh, Garner, the first person I met, really, that touched my life and uh, really helped start, uh, you know, just emboldened me. Uh, I mean, because he gave me hope. I saw, yes, we can, you know, rise up and, and, you know, become more than what we've been stigmatized that we are. Uh, Because, I mean, you know, living here in the Bible Belt, which it is, I mean, we have a population of 180,000. And Columbus has come a long way. 
Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's been because, you know, I've been up in their face and I don't get away. Uh, and, you know, I, I've earned the respect of them. And I greatly appreciate their uh, minds altering for the future, uh, uh, you know, and helping people here uh, pave a better way. Uh, that's, our, that's been our whole goal, just paving a better way for all mankind uh, in everything that we do. Uh, and uh, I'm just blessed to be here 10 years after finding out about that I had AIDS. Uh, when I found out, I had a uh, CD4 of 16. And uh, my doctor, he told me, he said, uh, he wasn't very educated. I said, that's something else that we still run into. Doctors uneducated, not even knowing how to read an HIV test. Uh, we found that the other day. Uh, they had the Western block. He says, I just don't know. So we had to take it and have another one done for this person, and he did have HIV. But, I mean, I, it, it's it's been a journey. It really has. Uh, and making and changing mindsets, uh, it's 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 been tough. But uh, it's also been uh, the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And I believe with all my heart that, you know, uh, we're all meant for a journey. Each of you are doing what you have been set forth to do. I mean, you're making a difference, and God bless you for that. And my hat's off to everybody out there that, you know, gets up and makes that difference each and every day for, you know, for people living with HIV or cancer or whatever it is out there that pushes you and drives you. Don't give up, ever give up hope and live out your dreams. I believe that with all my heart. So, so Jeremy, let me ask you this. You know, it was a pleasure meeting you at the at the conference and hearing you, uh, you know, speak and and just you know talking to you and just you know the meeting of the minds. These conferences are great for that, especially the possibility of just meeting other people that you see online that are doing amazing things and, and crossing paths and and that's what that's all about. Um, take us back to the day that you were diagnosed. Uh, tell us a little bit about that day and what that process was for you when you were told that you were positive. Well, it was uh, very scary. I mean, because like I said before, the doctor really didn't know much about HIV, so he really scared the hell out of me. And uh, he told me, he said, well, basically you need to go home and make final preparations because, you know, you're probably going to die. And, you know, I was just shocked when I walked out of the office because I didn't bring anybody with me. I, I think I already knew what it was because of everything that was going wrong. I mean, I passed out in the Subway restaurant. Everybody thought I was drunk. I hadn't had enough to drink, you know, and I started seeing things that was going on. I knew something was wrong. I mean, so, uh, I mean, I had just been tested like 18 months prior, which was very odd. They didn't understand that. They thought maybe I didn't get a good test beforehand to notify me. But, um, you know, I went home. I sat there for about two weeks, and I told my, do- I told my job, which was not probably the best thing in the world to do uh, because then it made it harder. Uh, it really did. Uh, they made it, uh, they tried to push you. I had a really good paying job here in Columbus and, you know, a very good store location and they wanted to put me into what they call the manager killer. So people still tried to work you out of the system too. That's the thing that, you know, we stand up for right here uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen to other people. That they're, uh, you know, if they're, if they're doing their job, why are you moving them to a store to try to push them out that, you know, has high turnover rates? Uh, and there's there's ways people do it, and there's ways HR gets around it. Uh, so I think people should really be aware of that and watch out for your rights out there. Uh, so, but, when uh, the, no. so when the doctor actually said those words to you, what were the thoughts? I mean, were you educated about HIV? Uh, you know, to an extent, I knew what it was. I knew uh, I knew what CD4 meant. I knew what viral load meant. And, I mean, uh, it, 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 it scared me. 
Uh, and, I mean, I thought I was going to die. I really did. I mean, because this is 2003. I mean, there had already been advances and everything. Uh, so it right. shows what little knowledge we had here. There was never any HIV support groups or anything like that uh, as far as educating people and getting them involved. And it was always people that were not positive giving, you know, instructions, basically, because they don't know what the hell we're doing. I mean, you know, they, they know from a knowledge point, but they ain't walking and living it like we are every day. You know, uh, they start comparing their eye problems to our HIV. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, baby, you don't understand. It's not the same. You know, uh, it's just not going to kill you, your eye problem. You know, uh, but uh, we're just basically getting people out there also to embrace us and let us come in and have a support group. That was one of the hardest challenges I faced. Because I started going to Montgomery, I started going to Atlanta, and all these other places, and I was like, there's got to be, and I started meeting people, and these uh, workshops, and I said, you know what, I'm going to bring it back to Columbus. I said, we're going to do this right here. So, Because I found a good doctor after, I, he, he referred me to the infectious disease doctor here, Dr. Oliver Wally. And uh, it took, a while, uh, took about two weeks before I got in to see him. And when I did, he gave me hope. He says, no, no, you're going to be fine. You know, he's, he's a Nigerian and everything. But uh, he, he was just jolly with you. I mean, he made, he lifted your spirits. The doctor can make you or break you. Uh, and I true. hope that everybody has a, a good doctor out there like I do. Uh, because I've had him for the last nine years, and I, I'm blessed by God to have him. And I hope nothing, you know, he got sick not too long ago, and we all got worried. It's like, oh, Lord, we're going to lose my great doctor here. And then who else is there left, you know? We need more doctors out there. You know, I hope there's a lot more coming. So, Jeremy, this is Aaron. Um, yeah. Think back to, you know, leading up to your diagnosis. Yes. Um, can you kind of tell listeners, you know, what led up to that? What were what were the kind of uh, whether it would be behaviors or what put you at, at risk? That risk. Ultimately, oh. you ended up. Um, uh, testing positive. Okay, uh, for, to answer that, I think I have to give a little bit more history. I mean, I was kicked out when I was 16 because I was gay. Uh, that was very difficult for me. Uh, and going and living, you know, and from place to place with friends and everything else, but still making it, putting myself through high school, getting getting a, uh, a scholarship, go to go to CB, CC here, and going and continuing to go and always working everything else that I had put myself. Uh, I guess the lack of love that a lot of us feel because they're gay, uh, I think, goes a long way. You know, they say, uh, I mean, it all goes back to the family, how they treat the children. Uh, you can devastate a child's life by just throwing them to the curb because they're different, because you don't understand it. Uh, they put me in the pastoral institute, and they told them there's nothing wrong with your son, and this is a religious organization. They cannot understand it. I guess they thought it was going to put me in there and exercise me or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it didn't happen, and the only way they could deal with it was say they wasn't going to have a faggot for a son, and they kicked me out. Uh, I had to choose, and I chose, you know, to be me. I've always been that way. I mean, you know, it's just uh, even in politics, and I, that, that everybody was always scared for me getting into politics. But, yeah, uh, but a lack of love makes people embrace uh, whatever they think is love. You know what I'm saying? We get into so many relationships, and I see that with so many clients, and I've learned from my small mistakes over the years. 
uh, we keep trying looking for love, looking for love, looking for love uh, with this person and that person and this person. And once they give you sex, you uh, you know you associate it to sex equals love, and that's and that's that's very common in people in their twenties. That is actually uh, really common now that you say that, Jeremy, because I used to do that when I was yeah. first going out to the the clubs and all that, and I was a young teenager sneaking in underage. You know that was I mistake you know sex for love and that's how I equate it you know that they were the same thing that you know I, that, that sex meant that we were in love and that there was something special there and, and there's so much more to that you know we kind of were so naive when we are when we were young and we're first introduced to the scene no matter you know really what age you are when you're first going out um, but let me ask you this how did you were you obviously you didn't go home and just immediately start shouting that your HIV positive on the rooftop no did not so how did you make that transformation from the guy who thought he was going to die to the Jeremy Scott Hobbs that we know today who rises above HIV? Well, see, I had run for office already uh, at the age of 29 uh, in 2000 and, uh, yeah, 2000. And I, you know, I was successful, but I was just young and everything, so it was all good. Uh, but I already had a name out there. And one of the things when I wanted to launch my foundation was uh, I knew that somebody had to be and come forth because nobody wanted to talk about it. Everybody that ever did it, it was always anonymity. They, they wanted to be anonymous everywhere you went. Oh, God, they were so scared of people knowing their status here. They still are today. Uh, I mean, it, it's still, uh, you know, just... It's horrendous what I've seen people go through to protect their status knowledge here, uh, and it's uh, and it still you know affects folks everywhere all over the country. And I'm sorry that we still have to go through those times, and that's what we're trying to do: rise above HIV. But anyhow, uh, I've worked with uh, so many uh, leaders already beforehand, and I started talking with them and everything. And I told them, I said, I'm going to come forward about this. I said, you know, I know I'm planning on running again. But at the same time, though, I want there to be a face to age. There needs to be a face to age here in Columbus, Georgia. And if it's got to be this mug, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And it was embraced. It really was uh, uh, by uh, the African community more so than the white community. I mean, I, I even had the nastiest letters. Oh, my God. Uh, it was horrendous, some of the things I read at the beginning. I mean, we were all going to hell in a handbasket, obviously, and was abomination and all this other stuff. But I was like, you know, but I, I and that hurt. It, it, it hurt because, I mean, you know, I have a kind heart. I don't like, you know, uh, drama stuff if I don't have to be a part of it. Uh, a lot of times I'll just block it out. That's what I, you know, normally do. I've learned to do that anyway. It really helps. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, just pushing uh, the agenda and moving it forward, we came up with the Chattahoochee Valley Better Way Foundation. Uh, because I wanted to uh, get people to start having support groups, and I outlined the programs and everything else that I wanted to do uh, as far as awareness, letting them know what Hopland meant, letting them know there was assistance out there, uh, and basically linking them to care, linking them to doctors, uh, getting them education and training, something that I never had, and, and now taking all that information that I took from going to everything, you know, Bush's Positive Living Conference, bless him, you know, great job, 16 years, bless him, um, you know, and then working with people online, like great minds like Kevin Maloney. I mean, you know, the, he's he was uh, really an architect in a lot of ways for 
rise above HIV. And, uh, and I thank him for, you know, the time that we did get to work together and everything. Uh, it was really a blessing. Um, but just making sure that everything was a 501c3, that was that was a struggle in itself. Uh, yeah, that took uh, two and a half years. But get a lawyer. That's why I tell people all the time. It really saves you some time. Um if you can make if you can, if you can afford it, but yeah, uh, but there's also people out there that will help you pro bono. Um, but anyhow, uh, the Better Way Foundation came about. I announced the uh, announced it, and we've been running pretty good ever since. Uh, I mean, like I said, it's been rough edges because of the economy. And uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. We've been doing an age 5K here for the past five years. Uh, and they'll, they'll do a sickle cell walk, you know, about the same time here. And I'm not taking anything away, but I'll show you what people's priorities are as far as uh, 5Ks. We made $600 for our 5K. The sickle cell walk made $7,000. So, I mean, it's when it comes to people spending money for AIDS, it's, it's slim. So we had to find other ways to work around it. And I've never taken a salary from Better Way Foundation. I mean, I was uh, declared disabled at one time because of all the problems. I mean, I had hip problems and everything else, man. Um, and because uh, I fell and broke my hip, oh, man, it was a mess. But, yeah, I had to recover from that on top of everything, and that was one of the reasons why they went ahead and pushed through the disability. But I believe anybody that's out there, if you're disabled, you can still put forth the effort. Don't think of the word disabled meaning to do nothing. It means you have an opportunity now to do something else. And, you know, I think it would relinquish a lot of worries in people's minds if they knew they had that. And volunteer. Volunteer your time uh, in anything you do. I mean, when it comes from the heart, believe me, it's much better. No, I'd like to take actually, a second to... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just kind no, of go like, ahead. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this is Paz I am, and this is Aaron alongside with Robert Brining. Um, and tonight we are uh, talking to uh, the amazing Jeremy uh, Scott Hobbs from Rise Above HIV. If you'd like to participate in the conversation tonight, you may do so by dialing into 347-215-9442. Um, be sure to press 1 to let us know that uh, you are wanting to speak with the host um, or guest. And also you can follow line, uh, on line, oh, my tongue is getting twisted, on social media. <laughs> Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, as always on Pause I Am um, social network. Back to you, Robert. Cool, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, take a quick break, and um, I, I was going to do the same thing. I was going to put the information out there. Uh, Jeremy, is there a what is the name of the website that people can go to to find information about your foundation or advice above HIV? It's all been under BetterWayFoundation.com. Okay, so we'll put that into the chat room there. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Jeremy Hobbs. Thank you. I am a mother. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a journalist. I am a singer. A businesswoman. I am an artist. An educator. A sister. <laughs> an advocate. A leader. A queen. I am a friend. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am one of more than a million people living with HIV in the U.S. We are not alone. Let's stop HIV together. Get the facts. Get tested. Get involved. Hi, what's up? This is Britney Spears for Life Beat, the music industry fights AIDS. HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, is hitting young women hard. If you choose to have sex, be safe. Use protection every time. Help support Life Beat Zero Transmission 2001 campaign by not getting infected with HIV. Don't be a zero. 
I'm a YouTube host and a co-host of this program, Pause I Am Radio. I'm an international activist, and I'm a writer. But at the end of the day, I'm a person who's living with HIV who is subject to the criminal statutes in my home state of Missouri. And as such, I'm always interested in what's going on as we move forward to try to change criminalization statutes or modernize them. For all the information, I go to seroproject.com. That's S-E-R-O project.com. You'll find the latest information on what's occurring and what needs to occur by a group of individuals who are passionate about modernizing criminal statutes to help reduce stigma and stop perpetuating the hate for those simply living with the virus. I encourage you today, if you've not done so, please check out seroproject.com. That's S-E-R-O project.com. All right, and we are back live. This is Pause Iron Radio. Robert Brining, your host, Aaron Laxton. Beside me, well, not literally, but in the airwaves, beside me and our host, our uh, guest this evening, Jeremy Hobbs. Jeremy, you with us? Yes, I'm still with you. Thank you so much for having me again. Oh, uh, we are pleased to have you here. And for more information on tonight's guest, in case you missed it before the break, you're going to go to betterwayfoundation.com. Um, so, you know, we're on Facebook, and, you know, the things that, catches people's eyes or these images that have been going around where they're either promoting awareness, you know, I think it really blew up with the no hate and then kind of like, you know, when everybody turned their things purple and then all of a sudden everybody is, you know, doing these, this imagery, the stigma project. And now, you know, you're doing these things where people are sending you their photos. Tell people, tell us about that process and then how people can actually get involved with the, um, the project itself. Oh, well, uh, it's it's been a great project. I mean, you know, like I said, a lot of the inspiration, you know, it came from a lot of facets I saw. I mean, you know, Kevin was inspired by Kelsey Clinton, from what I remember, but, uh, you know, no shame. And I, I wanted to take that and also just do something a little bit different, not have it just one thing. I wanted to have a variety. People enjoy variety. I know that in life. Uh, so I wanted to have a multitude of programs that people could get involved in and, you know, put their face forward, first of all. Uh, Faces United uh, for a cure, Faces United to lift stigma. Uh, That's the whole goal of this program, just like uh, the Rise Up to HIV program, to help people, you know, first of all, say there's no shame. I believe that's the one one step right there. You know, we've got people that are, you know, survivors and want to, you know, go on, that that are not ashamed about being HIV positive anymore, but want to lift that stigma that we face so uh, so, uh, so much every day. You know, because uh, whenever I sat down with my family at one time, it was like, it was always talk about my health. What's your numbers like? Are you eating? Are you doing this? Are you doing... I felt like I was some sort of, you know, I was dying or something, and I'm in pretty good health, better shape than they were. You know, and I was like... So, I mean, we are so much more than just the disease either. We are people, you know, every day working and trying to pave a better way of life, you know, or put food on the table or whatever we're having to do each day. And uh, I just wanted to share their stories because, I mean, you know, there's so many people out there from all over the world that want to lift up, and I get stories all the time because they're unable to talk about AIDS over in certain parts of Africa and other areas. It's so sad. It saddens me because they're they're scared for their life to do some of this work, but they still... Still appreciate and put their face to the project as well. Uh, just ask not to post on their page or something like that. But, you know, we even have people like that. 
uh, we'll be a part of the project, but don't post the picture on our page because I don't want my family to know. Uh, it's so sad, you know, and it was hard for me to talk to my family about it. You know? So I, I get where they're coming from. Um, but, I mean, the, the face is this one thing, and now I, I just I've made an announcement this last week because we, we had our uh, first of the year meeting. Uh, my next level that we want to take it to is HIV above and beyond. Uh, it's our next phase will be just video presentations from people, uh, the story of what they want to do and what they want to accomplish in life and what their dreams are and what they're asking, you know, what they're doing to achieve those dreams. Uh, you know, I've got dreams of my own. I mean, I'm obviously politically oriented. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to do here, and I've been, you know, working with our mayor. Uh, I've ran. I, it seems like I can run a successful campaign for someone else, but I just can't get my own self elected. So they say third time's the charm. We'll see in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> so people can just contact you straight through the website to send you the photo? Absolutely. If, if they go on Facebook, it's, it's the easiest path. Go to Rise Above HIV on there, and that tells you everything that we're doing. So our next big program is All We Need Is Love. Uh, that's something that I believe everybody wants in life. I, I know I'm kind of... Not one of those because I spent the first 20 years of my life in and out of relationships, so I'm kind of at a you know even kill right now. I just like to take care of my uh, my work and everything that I'm doing. In fact, I'm more dedicated to it now because I've cut that part out of my life and I'm just enjoying life. If it happens, it happens. If not, it not. But I know there's so many people out there that won't love. Uh, you know, you was talking earlier about grinder sites and everything, and uh, it, you know the people around here that they're, they're on those sites, and they'll mention I've got HIV, and uh, bless them for you know coming forward and having the bravery to do so. Uh, my hat's off to you because you're doing the right thing, and it is a tough decision because we all are bound by confidentiality and everything that we do, and that's one of the things that we have uh, you know instilled here in, in Columbus, Georgia, is trust is that, you know, your information is solid. You know, it's not going anywhere. And so, yes, yeah, you can't break that confidentiality. Uh, you can sit there and counsel them otherwise and do everything that you possibly can, but really, and all in all, I mean, I have to abide by the rules that we set forth, and I will do that. And I respect people for their integrity in that matter as well. But, so, Jeremy, uh, the um, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the, uh, the Rose Bowl. Uh, the... Uh, AHF, the, they have something, I don't think it's the same thing that what you're saying, but they had a float that, that was actually the title of the float was something about love or needing love. Um, mm-hmm. And and so... Wasn't it, wait a minute, wasn't it love is the best protection? Yes, I, I think that was it. The, uh, Quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I was just saying, I, I guess... Uh, what had happened was um, the, you know, so I, I guess playing devil's advocate for a second. Um, when we hear, all we need is love, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is there a potential that that could be stigmatizing to to any part of our population? And I, I don't know. I'm just drawing, you know, playing devil's advocate. Um, you know, for me personally, um, you know. Sexual contact's not about love. It's yes, you know that's, exactly. that's about a contact, and so you know we always have to be very vigilant uh, about stigmatizing our, our population. And obviously, you all are doing that. But just what are your thoughts on that? Is, is it could it be perceived as being stigmatizing? 
Well, like I said, I mean, the above series itself, I mean, it's people that are already comfortable with that with that level of themselves, and they do need that love factor. Uh, and, you know, I, I never even thought about that. Uh, I mean, as far as it stigmatizing them worth, uh, but I would hope that people would realize this is about educating people, you know, that you can have pause, non-pause relationships. I've had two, quite successful. And they do work if you if they are educated. And uh, I believe that a lot of people, the minute they hear that you're paused, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm just not into it. They don't want to learn nothing about it. They don't care to learn anything about it. They've already made up their minds, you're paused, that you're done. And uh, that's one of the things that, that we're trying to overcome with a lot of this is all we need is love regardless of who it is, regardless of it's love from uh, a neighbor, love from a parent, love from anyone. We still need to be loved. Uh, that goes with so, the church. That goes Jeremy, with everything. Yeah, Jeremy, let me ask you this because I, I was just actually uh, the other day did an interview about positive relationships. So let me ask you this question: um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that it's right for somebody to be like or to to make that that decision that they are not going to date or be in a relationship with somebody that's positive? Do you think that's do not fair? That- do you think that's something fair that they can? They, everyone has a right to decide or not? Uh, I can't tell somebody what what they what they feel is right or wrong. I, I'll go ahead and first say that. But, but feel I like think people like, put like blockades like in their own lives and limit themselves if they don't. Uh, they could be missing the, the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, and you know, you know what? Because I, they put I, up a barrier. I, I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. But now, what do you say to the positive person? Because I have two very good friends of mine who think this way, who will not date somebody who is negative and will only date positive people. Okay, they I get can understand same, your fear. Uh, would it I can be understand the same, your fear because be you don't want to be responsible message? of doing something to somebody's life. I mean, you, you've got their life in your hands, and if something goes wrong, you're the one that's accountable. I can understand their feeling of the power, uh, that too. Uh, but at the same time, same same quote. I mean, you never know unless you're willing to try. If you're educated enough, if you love somebody enough, you'll make the effort to make it right, uh, to protect yeah. yourself, and protect your partner. Yeah, you know, I always thought that. I always thought that because my like one friend is really like, I'm never dating another person who's negative, and I don't look upon that as that being something you know like stigmatizing. But when no, it's a no. positive, uh, when it's a negative person saying that they don't want to date somebody who's positive you know, that they shut it down right away, I find that to be stigmatizing. So now I guess I kind of look at it the other way and be like, you know, both ways are stigmatizing. Yeah. You know, what the, the interesting thing is, is, uh, you know, and I'm in a, a discordant uh, relationship, and, um, you know, my partner just went on prep a few weeks ago, uh, and he blogged about that. But, you know, I... We, you know, I'd always had that conversation in my head, the one that we're having now, you know, would you date uh, only negative, would you date only positive, or, or, or whatever. And, you know, I remember when he went to get tested, and I, for the first time since I got tested, I was stressed out. And so I can really see where people are coming from, where, you know, when I hear my positive friends saying, oh, I won't hook up with anybody who's negative. Well, I understand that. I understand the fear, and I can see both sides of it. So, I mean, I think it really is a personal choice, like Jeremy's saying and like Robert's saying. I think it's, it's something you have to be comfortable with in, in whatever you do. Right, because yeah, also if it's upon them, it might not, it's not going to work anyway because they're still always going to have that uneasiness about it. I mean, it has to be within, them, within themselves 100%. 
so since you've started the foundation, since you mm-hmm. now have basically been the face, you said, there in, um, crap, I forget the name of your city. What's your city? Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, Columbus, okay. Georgia. That's right. Because <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I saw Columbus and I saw somewhere else. So Columbus, Georgia, um, you've been, you know, you're in the face of HIV. Have you there, have you had any kind of negative backlash? Like, has your family now kind of been more supportive or how has that been? Well, when it first started, my mother begged me not to do it. Uh, she said because she was worried for me, and uh, you know I know my mom too. I said you know you just don't want to answer a lot of questions. I understand that because you do put them on the spot too. Uh, and that's something you do have to take into account. Uh, but I had you know, a very loving people. They embraced my family, and I think that's what opened their eyes too to, to how much love there was out there instead of the concept or the uh, illusion that nobody cares about you, what your son is. They're all going to think bad of it because they don't all feel that way. Um, but, you know, it, it's changed so much here for me and for everybody, I believe, because my mother and my father came to all my events after that. Um, you know, and we, we rebalanced our lives. I mean, I forgave them for what they did. Uh, you know, I, they did the best they could, I guess. I think that's with a lot of families. Because uh, of what they don't understand, we reject. You know, that's just the exactly. typical way of human nature. Uh, so it's better just to push something away that you don't understand instead of learn. And that's why we're always supposed to be learning. That's why at the end of each one of those, you know, scenarios that you gave me, it's up to the person to expand their uh, expand their horizons. And, uh, you know, never stop growing, never stop learning, and never stop, you know, thinking outside the box. You know, because, uh, you know, we've been programmed for so long, and I, I love what, you know, uh, media and everything else has done. It's given people so many different forms and different uh, views on things. It, uh, it helps broaden our minds, and I, I, I respect uh, everything that you do as well. Well, it's definitely, you know, you're definitely making an impact and you're having, uh, you know, you're having successes and, and we uh, appreciate all the hard work that you're doing. Uh, you know, I, I, it's amazing to me. I uh, This week I, I walked into work and I had a letter waiting on me. Um, and and I don't, Robert and I don't typically talk about uh, people that send us letters, and I'm sure Jeremy are the same way. We're getting people that contact us all the time. Uh, to either share their story or to to, to just communicate, you know, uh, many times. But this was actually a, a prisoner who had who is currently incarcerated, um, and he he simply just wanted to let someone know that he is living with HIV, and he wanted to talk about the the uh, discrimination that he experiences on a daily basis while being incarcerated. Um, so, you know, I, I really what you're doing really does have an impact. Um, and I know uh, you're you're reaching people that really need to hear that message that stigma doesn't have to define you, HIV doesn't have to define you, and by sharing your story, you're getting that message out there. That's absolutely right. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, you know, the, the program has been a good I mean, it's been wonderful success uh, as far as getting people to share and uh, get, you know, the voice story. It takes a while to build a build it. Uh, I do realize that. And, uh, you know, y'all gave me some great, great advice at the uh, Positive Living Conference. Thank you so much for that insight as well, how to run blogs and how to uh, keep them going and how much you should put into them every day. Uh, You gave me a lot of great information, and I greatly appreciated that. Well, 
so, so that was your first positive living conference that you were at. Now I've been there for the last few yeah. years. Um, Aaron went. Aaron, that was your first time there too, right? Uh, no, yeah, actually, I had yeah. been there like two years prior. Uh, I think, and I was, you know, just a, a lonely guy. <laughs> we had like several oh, people with our group. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, several people at that time, but we went uh, two years prior, and then the year before that. That's actually my third time going total. So yeah. Oh, okay. So, so what was? Um, so okay. So then that kind of defeats the whole purpose I was going to ask you. But what was that like <laughs> going to the conference? Because that conference almost didn't happen. You know, because then a conference usually happens in fall, and it actually, mm-hmm. you know, was happening. No, no, it just happened in March. I'm still it usually happens in March, now. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and it happened in the fall this year. So, so what was that like going to the conference and, and, and meeting different people? Because, like you said, you met Timothy Ray Brown. Right. I mean, every you know, year. The first year I went there, I met Dab. Uh, and that was the eye-opening experience for me. So, yes, I mean, when, that's what I shared with everybody when I came back and let them know, yes, there's so many people out there that do mm-hmm. want to know more, that do want to do better. Uh, and it, it was such a blessing to see 460 people that year uh, all going to these classes and socializing and loving each other. And it was, it was so remarkable to be in that atmosphere, something we hadn't experienced in so long. And nobody wanted to leave, uh, even though it was cold back in the March days. But this year uh, was the true success in my eyes because simply it was uh, we could enjoy the beach. We could uh, all have a good time out in the warm sun. Uh, I think the Hope Circle was bigger than it's ever been. I believe that's what they said this year. It was really nice. Uh, I, I, that was the first year I had done the Hope Circle. I had been there years past, but I never participated in that, that portion of it. Um, Usually they had me going to strip malls and stuff, too. So, you know, this is the thing I tell people. You know, you don't have to be confined. You can still get out and do some stuff, and you can get educated. There's so many things that they offer every year, um, so many different things that are based upon your needs as, as a person. Uh, there's going to be something that you're going to learn and walk away with, and not to mention some, a lot of great people in your phone Rolodex that you can call up on any time and talk about things. And I was listening to you earlier, and, you you know, I, I love the show because, you know, you just said something I've been thinking about for a while, talking about uh, switching over to Stribbling. And um, I've been on a Tripla for uh, eight years, and I'm just kind of getting to the point where I, I'm wanting something different. Mainly it's working, but I can't get over a 1,000 CD4. I'm sorry. I'm goal-oriented. I want my CD4 up in the, up in the thousands. And it just seems like it sets at 984 or 950 or 970s. It won't get up to that 1,000 mark, and I was wondering if it was a different medicine would do it. But, you know, my doctor, I love the death, but he says, if it works, don't change it, you know. So uh, I don't know what to say to him to get it, uh, you know, because it is B. That's what I tell people all the time. I said, you, you know, they work for you. Remember that always. So, so don't ever let it be get twisted the other way around. Right. I, I would say uh, in that regard, um, you know, some people just are, are naturally going to have numbers up in the thousands. Um, we know the high end of the CD4 is 1,500. Um, the low, the normal range is 600 to 1,500. Um, and that your high, I mean, 900 may be the highest that you reach. That may be the very, I mean, even when you were negative, that may have been the right. highest you reached. Um, so, I mean, your, your doctor is right on point that, um, you know, if you're having uh, any kind of side effects, 
then then that's certainly you know something to consider um, uh, switching over. You know the interesting uh, point about the the conference is that the Positive Living Conference is one of the last um, consumer driven conferences. Um, uh, Butch and his crew down at Oasis um, really work year round in, in getting uh, community partners and uh, uh, various organizations and sponsors. And I know that's what Robert was kind of talking about. The, you know, it, it was a challenge this year. Can you kind of talk about the, um, you know, working off of that premise um, that it's really a challenge for all aid service organizations or any kind of uh, uh, campaign or um, any kind of uh, organization to really get an audience and to get people involved in and just coming out and making the 5Ks and, and being involved. What are you doing to kind of to be successful? Well, for one, like I said, that we have no overhead. Uh, every year, I mean, everything that we do, every event we do pays for itself. We do one event to pay for the next event to the next event. Uh, we work with every organ. This is why I say, you know, you can make a difference, but if we get into it, for money or for salaries or any of this stuff, I'm going to tell you right now, you're in the wrong business uh, because that, you can't, that can't be what it's about. When I first started this organization, and I tell you, I, I, it was a, a damn nightmare in year two. I was sitting there trying to worry about where rent's coming from, where this light bill's coming from, and all this other stuff, and you lose focus from the mission that you started out doing. And that, that got old to me real quick. So I made some real quick changes. Yeah, I had to open up my home and, uh, you know, let them in here uh, to save some money and everything else, but it worked. And you've got to make cutbacks. You can't always have a fancy building over your head. Uh, if you want, if, if the goal, the mission is, is, if that's what you want to be successful, then you'll do what it takes to make it work. And uh, that's why we continue, you know, being successful year after year. We're not in the bread. We don't owe anybody any money. Um, and we continue, uh, I mean, I would like to see more people come out to these events, yes. And we tried uh, something last year, and it was not the right course. Uh, you know, uh, they have a uh, running, you know, running directors and stuff like that. Uh, be sure you check into a lot of places before you do it. Uh, because uh, they brought three runners and still charged us seven hundred and fifty dollars because they had the timing system and all that stuff. Uh, but I was like, that was just sort of a complete ripoff. I I, I paid that out of my pocket because I didn't want the foundation to have to cover that. Uh, so I mean, you know, it, it's some it's some crazy stuff that goes on out there. You think that these companies are going to bring you a lot of people, and it doesn't doesn't guarantee nothing. Uh, That's yeah, right. I think it's, uh, it, it's kind of uh, where we are as a society. I mean, you know, unfortunately, and, and Robert, uh, kind of you can attest to whether this is true or not. I mean, we get the uh, the observation from doing this program and that each one of us having, you know, campaigns and stuff on the side. And what you're saying is, is fairly common across the board, whether it's an AIDS uh, healthcare foundation issue, GMHC in New York, um, or wherever, or Oasis Time Florida, each, you know, this year with sequestration, we had the domestic aid uh, fund uh, cut by $652 million. But isn't much of that driven that the, the perception is in the media and in general public in that HIV and AIDS is no longer an issue? 
Yeah, because they think that it's curable. I mean, you'd be surprised how many high school students think that AIDS is curable still today. Uh, it's still about education. Uh, <laughs> we still got to push testing, and we still got to implement that, and doctors still got to talk to people about that, about including it as part of your yearly physical. They still don't do that here today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 difficult for all of us out here. I, I know that as a for fact. Every year we've lost, we've lost a couple more sponsors because of this economy, and we can't we can't blame it on people's goodwill. I believe their will is there, the money ain't. Uh, everybody is struggling, and I know uh, it, it, it is so difficult to make it uh, and keep keep uh, keep momentum going year after year when you know you see dollars that come in less than year after year. Uh, so I mean, you just got to keep the faith and keep moving forward and keep the word out there and do everything that you can on the side. I totally agree with that. And, um, you know, I think meeting you this past year has, was one of my highlights of actually 2013 was, was going to that conference and meeting incredible, incredible people like yourself. And, and cause we've never, I, I was there three years ago when you were there as well at the conference, but we never crossed paths until this year. And, you know, I, I just think that, you're an amazing person, and what you're doing down there in Georgia is is great work, and it needs to be done. And thank God that they have somebody down there like you to actually, you know, put their face out there and, and represent those living with HIV because there's so many probably down there in Georgia that are, are too afraid to put their face out there. So I just want to commend you for everything that you've done, you know, and everything that you're going to continue to do in the next year. And I have to send you a photo to use for your rise above HIV photo. Because mm-hmm. I have one for Paz I am, but I don't have one for myself. So I, will, I want a special one for myself. <laughs> oh, you'll get one. Oh, and also let me say out there, too, Shelby Ann Wells, well, thank you so much for all your hard work with Rise Above HIV. Okay. There you go. Where, again, send people to your website one more time. Betterwayfoundation.com, and it'll link you to everything that's on there for Rise Above HIV or any uh, even our social, uh, Southern Still Auto Club as well. That's our volunteer agency. Well, there you have it, uh, betterwayfoundation.com. Jeremy Scott Hobbs, thank you so much for joining us this hour. Thank yeah, you, Robert. Thank you, Thank you so much, Jeremy. All right, y'all. Good night. Have a great night. Again, more information on tonight's guest, you can go to www.betterwayfoundation.com. All the information is there, way to join the Rise Above HIV campaign, and a way to contact Jeremy himself. Um, what a great guy. Um, meeting him was definitely... Uh, like I said, one of the highlights of the conference and, and just crossing paths with new people does it, you know, it's something that, that why, that's why I go to Positive Living because it's, it, it brings me with, it connects me with people that I see online every day and I never get to meet in person. Oh, I, I totally agree. You know, I think there's so many uh, amazing people um, that we cross paths with um, that are really doing some innovative stuff. Um, I think, you know, as highlighted, it is challenging. It is, uh, we live in a very difficult time, um, you know, the, 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 to get the message out of prevention, of reducing stigma. Um, and so hats off to Jeremy for the work he's doing and uh, just keep up the hard work. Right. So uh, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to actually, uh, one of the big social media sites that's taking over is Instagram. It seems like everybody seems to be on there. You know, I've been on there for 
as long as I can remember, and Aaron, you as well. Um, I want to start sending people over to our Instagram so they can follow us. And I want to actually create one specifically just for the show to uh, promote things that are going on with the show. But as of right now, um, they can. I want to have me and you take a selfie um, and, and post it on Instagram, which will probably go also go to our Twitter feed and our Facebook at the same time, of us hosting the show so people can see you know, what exactly we look like right now as we're listening. I think it would be fun. So uh, I'm going to take a quick PSA break, um, and then people can uh, – or Jeremy – or Jeremy. Um, Aaron and Did I you can just call me Jeremy? Our, yes. Look, we had our guest on tonight. I spoke to Jeremy this evening thanks to um, everything mm-hmm. that's happened today. So I have Jeremy on the brain. But uh, me and Aaron will take a selfie of us hosting the show and post it on Instagram right now. You can follow us on Instagram. I am at Positive Pitch. And you are at Aaron Laxton, right? I am. All right, so let's take a quick break. We'll take our selfies, and we'll come back, and we're going to remember um, activist and friend here at the show, uh, Brian Morgan. So let's play that uh, PSA right about now. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to age but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than age. Yo, it's your boy Lil Jon right here. Hey, it's your boy Lil Bo. On the serious note, this your boy Big Sam. Lil Jon and me, side boys. We here for life beat. The music industry fights AIDS. Listen up. Drinking and drugs make people do stupid things, like not protecting themselves when having sex. You might think it's all good, but it only takes one slip up to get infected with HIV. Don't become another statistic. Use protection. To learn more about HIV and AIDS, call the National AIDS Hotline at 1 800 342 AIDS or log on to www.lifebeat.org. There you have it. We're back live. <laughs> I just saw your picture, Aaron. <laughs> it cracks me up. Oh, are you there, Aaron, with me? You you have me muted. Yeah, you're good now. Yeah, I'm actually not wearing clothes. I'm only wearing a T-shirt. That's what people don't know. I do the show in, <laughs> in the buff. I'm completely naked. I'm only wearing my Hannah Montana T-shirt and uh, my Hello Kitty slippers, um, and I have a box of wine sitting next to me, just to let you know. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> and as you see in my photo, I'm actually uh, hanging out with my dad, the AIDS bear. Um, speaking of dad and dad, the AIDS bear, I want to uh, send congratulations out to Dad Barner, um, who recently got engaged over the holiday season. So congratulations, Daddy Dad. We love Daddy. Yeah, he's amazing. He He's a great guy and, and one of my favorite people to see. Um, and he's so sexy. I, yeah, well, yeah, he's very sexy. But when I see him, he puts a smile on my face. Like, he, for me, he's a symbol of hope. And he gives me, uh, he gives me hope. He just gives me uh, the kind of the strength. When I see him, he, he energizes me and makes me want to become more active in, in the field. You know, and it makes me want to be a bigger voice, so... Um, Daddy Dab, congratulations. So right now I want to take a few minutes um, and remember uh, fellow activist Brian Morgan. I'm going to try to do this <laughs> through my phone. I wasn't able to upload the, uh, 
MP3 file itself, so I'm hoping that this will work. So please bear with me. Um, Aaron, if there's any issues with sound, you will let me know. Will do. Correct? Okay, so yes, sir. Uh, let me go ahead here and play this here. Uh, this is from 2009. I believe it was actually February of 2009, right before uh, Brian Morgan's birthday, which is actually Valentine's Day. And uh, he came on our show to share his personal story of be- living with HIV. Uh, the title of the show was kind of his own phrase that he coined, I guess, himself, a uh, little guy with a big heart. So, again, uh, this is Brian Morgan's interview from 2009 on Pause I Am Radio. Okay, let's try this one more time. If I unmute the television or unmute the computer, we'll have better sound. Let's try this one more time. that we are not is it not working there Aaron it's not so we'll, we'll try to rework that audio and get that out um, uh, uh, on the next program unless you can kind of rework something real quick right now yeah I don't think that's, that's kind of the best that I can do as of right now I tried to uh, play it with the tell me, speakers tell me I mean I can try it. let me try it one more time let me see if maybe if I put it I, I see I wasn't exactly at the speaker so let me see if this works better now um, let's try this Gary Charlotte is one of my favorite places to go. When I was a, when I was a little gay teen, 
we would always leave Columbia because there's nothing happening here and go to Scorpio's in Charlotte. Oh. Our favorite place and one of my favorite places to eat, and I think it's still up there, 300 East. I love it, love it, love it. So, 300 East is great, but Scorpio's has gone downhill, huh? It hasn't it? God. Oh, my. Yeah. God. I, I swear, it, and, I, and I'm sorry, everybody who's listening in, but this is just a little Carolina thing. But Scorpio's is where, oh, God, I, if I say this, I know I'm going to get in trouble. But I'm going to say it anyway. But it's like where the trailer parks from Asheville empty out. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. it's a frightening, frightening thing. But back in the day now, it was the place to go, and it was fun. It, it was, but I'm telling you now, it's like they just, oh, I haven't been up there in so long. Like, oh, like South Park is like a shop. Oh, Eastland Mall, when I used to come there, was the best place. Now it is like, I can't go out there without an armed guard. So. No, I think a couple of best. See, Robert, what you're missing. See, Robert's never been down this place. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, uh, I have to tell you, though, you, you walk into Scorpios and it looks like somebody took a dead eye and put it on their head. That's scary. It is frightening. <laughs> I might have to load that in my closet. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, my God. What is there to know? Give us a little bit of, of a background of, like, kind of, you know, like, how you grew up and you becoming HIV positive. It's like your process. See me, love me. See me, uh, love me. Um, Of course. By the accent, born, raised, bred, reared right here in Columbia, South Carolina. Which, you know what, I have to say, I mean, Columbia, South Carolina is one of the best places that you could possibly want to live. Um, just because, you know, we're right in the, well, Columbia is central, of course, it's the capital city. You know, we're about two and a half hours away from the beach. We're about an hour from the big city or bigger city, Charlotte, where it's away. we got the mountains not far from us. So we've got a little bit of everything here. Southern hospitality at its best. Um, I was born, my, I have a brother who is also gay. I know my mother thought something was really wrong with her genes. So, um, um, growing up, I was not getting into my, getting close to the HIV thing. Um, I was not the Mother Teresa of sex, I have to say, but my sexual relations were far and few between. I, I would like, I would get into, my longest relationship was five years. Um, I was very committed, you know, very blindsided. Um, and I did have my here and there, you know, thing, but I was really, really, you know, careful with what I did as far as, you know, being, you know, you know, practicing safe sex for the most part. Um, I, the only thing really I knew back when I was growing up, because I'm 40, I just turned 40 Valentine's Day, so I'm old. I feel old. I'm so old. But anyway, old but beautiful. I'm still old but beautiful, but anyway. Um, but growing up, the only thing I knew about HIV and AIDS was what, you know, you saw on TV on tour, went to a party and wearing a red ribbon which uh, I took that for granted for all the years before, you know, I myself became infected. Um, it was around December 1st, which I hope everybody knows is World AIDS Day, which for me and I think Robert and Jeremy, you know, we're all, I think to me, every day is World AIDS Day, and it should right. be. Um, but for the rest of the people, the, the main thing, World AIDS Day, you know, December 1st, 
um, me and a good friend of mine, which kind of reminds, reminds me of in on China. Is that how you say Robert? On, on China? China, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's from my one of my best friends at the time, she was from the Philippines. So that's why when Anjana was talking about her being from the Philippines, it was so funny because I can just, they, they just, they're so similar as far as people go. Right. But um, we were we were at the State House for World AIDS Day um, and doing, they were bringing out the remembrance, you know, all the people that had lost their lives in South Carolina. Is a main reason besides other things that I'll mention later about why I decided to go public, is because Columbia and South Carolina have consistently ranked in the top ten in the nation for newly reported AIDS cases. I just got on about a couple hours earlier um, before I came on air um, to look at my statistics, and as of right now, according to the CDC, um, South Carolina ranks ninth in the nation. So, so where do you find that information at? That's on cdc.gov, CDC, like CDC, you know, website, the National, you know, Center for Disease Control in, in from in Atlanta. They're, they're out of Atlanta. And also you can go to your local, I guess, ours here is DHEC, which is Department of Health and Environmental Control, you know, on your state level. So we have consistently ranked and had some of the highest rates of, you know, newly reported um, AIDS cases in the country. So I couldn't sit back and not go publicly out about, you know, something that's hitting, you know, just not to people that I knew, but, you know, to right here at home. So getting back to that, December um, 1st, 1998, World AIDS Day, down at the State House, we're sitting there listening to it, didn't know any of the people that had passed with AIDS, you know, and me and my friend were leaving and we were, you know, had tears in our eyes and we were like, you know, that's just awful. And I was like, you know, what would you do? And she asked me, she's like, Brian, what would you do? And I said, you know, and honestly, and I don't think anybody, I don't care, you know, how promiscuous you were or how much sex you've had, you never, ever, when you hear those words, that you're HIV positive, you never expect to hear that. You know, never. And so that December 1st, you know, we left there, just another evening, you know, going on. And three days later, December 4th, 1998, I go in for a routine check to my doctor's office and be bouncing in there because Brian never gets any dates or anything. So I just started seeing somebody and I was so excited. And my doctor, who is still my primary care physician now, uh, back then I was the first person that he ever had to tell was positive. So as y'all know, it affects people not just the people that are infected, but the people that you encounter and that you come in contact with. So, you know, my doctor was, you know, I was the first patient that he ever had to tell was positive. And so I go in there, bouncing in, just like I am all the time. I make everybody in the office laugh and smile because my little quirkiness and my accent, you know, go and give everybody hugs and everything. And that day, you know, you could really tell there was just a different feeling around that office. You know, she couldn't put my finger on it at the time. I didn't really know. And, you know, he came in and had all my paperwork and was just kind of shuffling through the papers, looking down and, you know, kind of, you know, not really listening to anything that I was talking about. And I said, well, you know, I said, you know, well, you know, I met somebody I wanted to tell him because we were kind of like on a friend patient level, not just patient, you know, patient, doctor, patient or whatever. So 
said, what are you sorry about? He said, the brain fell out and had a patient. He said, you're HIV positive. And that moment, and I don't know how, you know, y'all felt when you first found out, but you know, I can remember it 10 years ago, like it was today. You know, it, I just, it was like an out-of-body experience. I couldn't hear anything after that when he said that. You know, chill just went all over me, and I just didn't know what to do. Yeah, it was like time to put it on. Yeah, it's like, just like you just didn't know where to keep And there you have it. Um, we're alive. Um, and uh, we just want to remember uh, our fellow friend and activist, Brian Morgan. Um, Aaron, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Um, I was kind of actually uh, taken back a little bit. Um, I didn't realize all that. Like, I, I cut it to a certain point, so it sounds like there was his humor in it and all that, and I didn't realize that there was so much deep stuff really in there towards the end that he kind of, you know, left a, a, as a good message for people who maybe don't know him or who are listening. And if you are listening would like to call in and share a little bit, we have a few minutes left, 347-215-9442. Um, but, you know, it just he was a funny, funny guy. I mean, from his accent, all the way down to, uh, you know, meeting Charles Vianner being the gayest gay of gay. You know, I, it was it was just, he was an amazing man. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I don't, I don't think I ever uh, got to uh, meet Brian. I was uh, looking at his Facebook, and obviously it's very, you know, seeing the outpouring of people leaving messages of support for the family, um, and just reiterating, you know, that, that he was a, a really amazing person. And it sounded like from the interview that he just had a really, you know, big heart and a, a passion, desire to help people um, uh, that were dealing with HIV on all different levels. Yeah, I think it's um, it's an incredible thing that he did. And actually, his family just posted um, on Facebook. For those of you who would like to go, they thank everybody for their prayers, and thoughts, and soldiers about uh, their, loved, their beloved Brian. The funeral will be conducted at Incarnation Lutheran Church on Wednesday, January 15th at 11. Visitation will be held at the church starting at 9.30. Um, that was posted on Brian's page for anyone who would be interested in, in going um, to pay their respects. Um, I just wish it was a little closer for uh, some of us to go to. Yeah, you know, I, but I think, you know, in, 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 in keeping with what we do, you know, through social media, um, memorializing him through through social media, and and uh, you know that's that's an amazing testament to to who he who he was, who he's going to remain to be even after death. I think that's the the legacy that we all work towards. Yeah, you know, and I'm actually uh, I posted on Facebook that we were going to be sharing a few minutes with um, share a few minutes from the interview uh, with Brian, and if people wanted to listen and. Uh, I have some responses on Facebook. Christine Harris says that it was so sad to see a good person has passed on. She didn't know him personally, but she made him feel special on Facebook and that Brian will be mixed. And that's, you know, that's the type of person that Brian was. He made you feel special, even if it was through Facebook and you never met him in person. So, Christine, thank you for that. And uh, Heather uh, Sewell, who's friends with Brian, also says thank you, guys. It was so nice to hear his voice again. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I was a little lost for words this morning because when I hear that activist passed away, it, it, it puts everything in perspective for me. Life is short. You never know when your last day is here. You know, love the people around you and make them feel special because there could be, you know, you could be gone tomorrow. 
and losing uh, Jonathan Shaw earlier this year, earlier last year, and and then Brian. Now it just it, it really, like I said, puts it into perspective for me and lets me really uh, well refocus my life, refocus my energy where I think it's needed, and not necessarily where it is. No, it's it's true. It's uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes we get so focused on on HIV. And of course, it's it's too early. We do not know the details of, of of what happened to Brian, but I think we get so focused on HIV, and we get so focused that sometimes we forget to live. Um, and I think that's really when I was listening to that interview, I heard a person who wasn't allowing a diagnosis to to hold him back. He was living a life, um, and he wanted to help others to live that life as well. I um, mean, that's really the 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 catalyst of what what we do on the show and why you started the show, uh, and and we say it all the time. You know, this is your your weekly dose of hope, um, and we want people to realize that you know live that life that you have today. Um, you know, because we never know uh, we could be doing a show next week and I not be here, or or vice versa. So live the life that you have now uh, today. It's a good way to have it. You know, one of the other things that uh, came up over the last few weeks um, was I got in touch with uh, Mama Mama D, Danielle Rogers, um, that, you know, that we met at the International AIDS Conference a few years ago. Yeah. And she's actually starting her own show here on Blog Talk Radio. Um, and I'm excited about that. And, uh, of course, I wanted, told her I wanted to help, help her in any way and promote her. And if she has any questions... Um, but it's going to be a show on singles that I believe is starting in February. So um, there'll be more about that that I can post on the Facebook page later. But I just want to put it out there to take a look, you know. And for those who don't know who Mama D is, she's Jamar Rogers' um, mother. So I'm ecstatic about that. She's a, an amazing woman, and she uh, let us know that, you know, Jamar is doing well and, you know, laying low for now. And, you know, hopefully soon we'll have some uh, singles coming out again. Yeah, I mean it's always exciting. We we, we root uh, Jamar on, and and uh, Mama Rogers is just uh, an amazing person. I uh, definitely will never forget that experience of spending time with them. Yeah, it was it was definitely the, I think my favorite part of that whole conference was sitting there across from the Seven Eleven, watching you all eat chicken wings. <laughs> hey, that was a good time. <laughs> it was funny. It was definitely fun. Um, so, yeah, so I just want to, I guess we're winding down to the few minutes, so we can kind of end out with a song. Um, Aaron, let people know exactly where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, at Aaron Laxon, or if you look me up on uh, YouTube, uh, just type in either Aaron Laxon or My HIV Journey, and I will pop up uh, anywhere and everywhere, just My HIV Journey. Yes, go How about you, to Robert? YouTube. And go to my HIV journey and, and look up Aaron Laxton and, and check his videos. There's First of all, how many videos do you have up? Oh, I don't know. Over 200, maybe 230 now. Okay, 230. And in the beginning, you were doing these, were they every day or were they every week or what? Uh, I, initially, I was doing like three a week. Okay. Yeah. So these are and like, then, uh, you go back yeah. to the beginning, people are going to see you from the first stages of when you were first diagnosed to the amazing man and activist that you've become now. Yeah, very, very first days right after. In fact, I, the, one of the first videos was 
they can in my doctor's office uh, post diagnosis. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. crazy that you like immediately thought, hey, let me post this on YouTube. Like when that happened to me in 2001 when I was diagnosed, I could not imagine putting a camera in there or having a conversation with my doctor about that afterwards. So that's that's kind of amazing that you did that. Yeah, you know, I, I wish I would have. I wish I had the clarity of mind to say that I planned it all out. Um, those, those first couple videos I didn't post for months after I started doing videos, you know, four days after, but that, that first video I didn't, I didn't post for some time after. And, you know, it's been therapeutic for me. So I, I just, it's worked well for me. That's cool. That's cool. So again, uh, my HIV journey, Aaron Laxton on YouTube, Aaron Laxton on Instagram, Aaron Laxton on Facebook, Aaron Laxton uh, everywhere. I need to actually. What I need to do is sync all my stuff and make it one thing. It makes my problem. Yes, yes. Well, if you're on Instagram, you're going to follow me at Positive Pitch. Same thing if you're on Twitter. If you're on Facebook, it's Robert Brining, and um, I think that's it. You can also go to posim.com and find information there. Join the social network and become a member there and meet other people living with HIV around the world. Um, also get information about our radio show every week. Uh, other than that, find us on Facebook, Pause I Am. There's also an amazing page that uh, Aaron has started called I Am HIV Positive. Look that up as well because there's good information there and nice conversations and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. So uh, you have yourself a great night, Aaron, and I will see you next week when we will be speaking with Nicholas No. All right. You have an amazing week. All right. See you guys. Thanks for joining us. Army couldn't hold me